0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: G'day, mates. It's B Buster here. So before the episode begins, I would just like to say a huge thank you to CastBox for helping me make the CastBox original, Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and you can find all of your favorite podcasts there. Personally, I think CastBox is the best podcasting platform out there, and I hope you guys check it out, because I think you'll be surprised at just how much variety they have, and how user-friendly their app is. Anyway guys, thanks for listening, and without further ado, let's begin. I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service and I have some stories to tell. Part 5 by Search and Rescue Woods. One of the topics that I get asked about a lot here and also in real life involves things like the Rake, the Wendigo and other related legends. I can't honestly say that I know a lot about any of them but based on some light reading I did, and I can say that I've heard stories that seem to be loosely related to them. You've heard the old adage that legends like that come from somewhere, and I'm sure that that's true, but as you all know, I do try to take things with a grain of salt. I mean, you have to out here. It's sort of like working in a hospital, I'd imagine you could spend all day thinking about how many people have died there and how there are probably ghosts or whatever you want to call them all over the place but it just doesn't do any good it just makes it harder to do your job and i think a lot of us feel that way and that's why we try to just go about our work like everything is fine once you do get paranoid there's not really any going back and a lot of cadets quit because of it My park especially seems to have a high turnover rate because the cadets graduate and get so freaked out about everything and they just can't seem to let it go. You have to just learn to internalise things and kind of shut it off, I guess. I've talked to KD a bit about her experience because I wanted to know what she thought about the Wendigo. She didn't really have anything in particular to say about it, aside from the fact that she just didn't want to think about it too much, but... She told me a friend of hers had something similar happen. I contacted this person, H, over Skype, and they agreed to talk to me for a bit. They're aware of my work here, and they're fine with me posting the story exactly as they wrote it. So, they said, I grew up in central Oregon, and there's a reservation called Warm Springs about two or so hours from where I live. I only mention that because a lot of people in my area have friends there and a lot of the land in that area belongs to that tribe. When I was a kid, we used to go camping up there. Not on the res, of course, but in that area and I met a lot of kids who grew up there. I got to know one kid really well too and his name was Nolan and we ended up hanging out a lot when our families went in the area. Our folks got to know each other too, so... We'd all get in touch and camp out around the same time. We'd camp out for about two weeks, so we were out there for a pretty long time. I asked him if he camped in an RV, and he said, Yeah, my dad had one, so I guess I wasn't really camping, but we'd take our tents and stuff and set them up anyway for camping out most nights. I didn't like sleeping in there because I like to be outside. We talked a bit about camping after this, too. So... Anyway, sorry, but one year Nolan and I were out there and I think we must have been like 12 or so. We wanted to go out and camp near the river because we wanted to try night fishing. I think we must have been about a third of a mile from the main camp, far enough away that we couldn't hear or see anyone else. I remember that. We were messing around most of the day and... I don't really remember much about it, but we ended up building a fire at some point and I was really impressed because he had this flint or something that he used to start it. I'd never seen anyone do that before, so I thought it was pretty cool. I actually got him to teach me how to do it too, and we lit some stuff on fire, which looking back was actually really stupid because it was in the middle of summer and if I remember right, the fire warning was either at yellow or orange. But thankfully, we didn't start anything major, and when it got dark, we sat around and talked about whatever it is that 12-year-olds talk about. I don't really remember. What I do remember, though, is that at some point, he looked over my shoulder at the river and asked me if I could see something. The way our camp was set up, we were about 10 feet away from the river, and we were at the widest point, so it was probably about um, 20 feet to the other bank... It gets hot up there in the summer but the water's still cold which is important. I look over my shoulder and I could see something wading in the river on the other side. Where we were it looked like a, a deer maybe but we couldn't really tell because of the light of the fire. I got up to look closer and I saw a pair of antlers so I figured it was a buck. But I thought it was weird that it was wading in the water and it was definitely heading for us and I asked Nolan what he thought that we should do. He's looking at the fire with this weird expression and he tells me to sit down and shut up so I do because I'd never seen him act that way before. He's whispering at me to ignore it and just keep talking like we were but I couldn't think of anything to say. He was saying something about an episode of some show but I could hear the deer coming through the water. So, I wasn't really paying any attention and I kept trying to see over his shoulder but every time I did, he sort of hit me on the arm and made me look at him. I wasn't really scared but I remember I was just sort of confused. But then I hear the deer come out of the water and I could kind of make out what it looked like and I realised that it wasn't a deer because whatever it was, it was walking on two legs. I started to get up because I was super freaked out, but Nolan just yanked me back down and talked louder about this television show, and I could tell that he was just as scared as I was, probably even more. He leaned in and poked the fire with a stick, and he whispered that whatever I do, I can't speak to it. I could see it coming closer, and it stood right behind Nolan's back. I was about ready to pee my pants, and... I think I probably would have run if I'd been alone, but I didn't want to leave Nolan, so I kept sitting really still and sneaking glances at it. It wasn't that tall, but the way it carried itself was just wrong. Like, its center was off balance and it was screwed up. I can't really describe it well, but it was kind of like it kept shifting too far forward. And it just stood there behind Nolan for a long time, and eventually... Nolan ran out of things to say and we just kind of sat there for a second. The fire was making noise but I thought I could hear this thing talking in a, a really low voice. I couldn't hear what it was saying and I leaned forward a tiny little bit and I actually did pee my pants when it leaned forward too. I couldn't see its face but uh, I saw its eyes. They were cloudy and milky and... If you want to know what they look like, find that scene from The Lord of the Rings where Frodo falls into the lake and all the dead people are floating toward him. That's what its eyes look like. So, all I saw were these two white eyes floating above Nolan's head and the really vague shape of the antlers coming out of its head. I don't know what my face looked like, but at exactly the same time, Nolan and I just fucking booked it out of there and we just ran non-stop until we got back to the main camp. My pants were soaked with piss so I took them off as we were running and threw them in the bushes. We both stopped once we were in front of my dad's RV and we couldn't see anything chasing us so we just stood there and caught our breath. I asked him what that thing was but he said that he didn't know. He said that his grandpa had only warned him that if anything ever came up to him when he was out there in the desert that he was never ever supposed to talk to it or listen to anything it had to say. I wanted to know if he'd heard it talking too, and he said that the only thing he'd been able to understand was help you. I think we ended up sleeping in the RV with my parents that night, and the next night we went back out and we didn't see anything. That does remind me in a lot of ways of the Wendigo legend. There's a phrase used to describe it that I think fits perfectly, which is that the Wendigo is the spirit of the lonely places. I know sometimes where I'm out in the wilds, where I know there's one around me for miles and miles, I get this weird kind of craving that I can't really explain. I don't know if it happens to anyone else, but it's this desire to just consume. It's not like I crave anything in particular, but more of this weird, distracting hunger that comes from every part of my gut. I also wanted to find out more about the faceless man if I was able to, and I found a few similar things and I asked around my circle of friends and one of them said when he was doing some repairs at a park in this area that he saw something kind of like that. He said we were having dinner in town, five of us including myself. This guy, he was repainting an information booth and heard a man ask him for directions to the nearest campsite. He didn't turn around because he was up on a ladder but he informed the man that there weren't any in the campsites nearby but if he headed down the road for about four miles, he'd find one at the other park. He asked if he could be of any other help, but the man said no and thanked him. My friend said that he just kept painting, but he was listening, and he never heard the man leave. He said that the second that he came up to talk to me, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, but I wasn't sure why. I had this really uneasy feeling about the whole thing, and I wanted to finish painting and just get out of there. I figured maybe part of it was that I couldn't turn around to look at him, but something just felt off. There was also this weird smell floating around, even before the guy talked to me, kind of like old blood or something. I had looked around to see what was causing it, but I couldn't find anything, so I waited for the guy to walk away. but... I didn't hear him leave, which made me think that he was just standing there and watching me, so I asked again if I could do anything for him, and he didn't answer. I knew that he was there, though, because I hadn't heard him leave, so I did this awkward turn on the ladder to look down and see what he was doing, and now I admit that it could have just been my brain fucking up, but I swear to you, Russ, for a split second when I turned around, that fucker didn't have a face like he had no face it was almost concave and totally smooth and I just about had a fucking heart attack because I couldn't even wrap my brain around what I was seeing I think I started to say something but there was this kind of pop inside my head and suddenly he was just a a normal looking guy I must have looked weird because he asked me if I was okay and I was just like yeah I'm fine he asks about the campsite again and I point to where he has to go and he's like I'm not from around here can you help me get there? Now this is when I knew that something was really up because there's no way that this guy got out here and didn't know where he was and for that matter there's no car around so how'd he get here in the first place? I said I was sorry but that I couldn't take him anywhere in a company vehicle and he's like please I really don't know where I am can you come with me and help me get there so now I'm seriously weirded out and I start wondering if this is some kind of ambush or whatever I told him that I could call him a taxi to come out and take him where he wants to go and pull out my phone and he just goes no and and just walks away really quickly but he doesn't walk out of the park he walks back into the fucking trees and I got right in my fucking truck and I start to get the hell out of there. Fuck the paint or whatever job I was doing. I look in my mirror to see where he was and as I was leaving, he was standing right at the tree line again. I don't know how he got there so fast but this time, I know that that fucker didn't have a face. He was watching me leave and right before I turned the corner he took a big step back into the trees and kind of then just dissolved i guess maybe it was just dark so he blended in but it felt more like he just kind of melted away interestingly right after this guy finished his story someone else piped up with another one but with a slightly different twist you know actually i had something sort of weird like that happen a while back too I was out doing some trail scouting, and I was out in the middle of nowhere, figuring out where we were going to have this trail run through, and I hadn't seen anyone else for probably a good two hours, so I wasn't really paying attention to where I was going. I was just looking at the ground for the most part, and then, out of nowhere, I crested this little hill and almost ran into this guy. He was older, probably in his 60s, and I started to apologize to him for running into him, and Then I noticed his face, and I probably looked like a complete douchebag because I stopped and just stared at him. It took me a second to figure out what was wrong, but this guy's face was huge. I know that sounds weird, but that's the only way I can describe it. I mean, his head wasn't big or anything. It was normal, but the amount of space his face took up was just way too much. It was like if you took someone's face and enlarged it all about two times. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at me and I backed up and was kind of stuttering and saying that I was sorry. And I went around him and just got out of there and did what I needed to do. The whole time I kept looking back behind me because I was so freaked out that he'd pop up behind me or something. I know it sounds ridiculous but I swear to you that... It was one of the creepiest things that I've ever seen. At this point, I switched the topic to the stairs a little later and there was a definite shift in enthusiasm. No one spoke at first because there's that real stigma around discussing them, even when we're away from work. But I broke the ice with a story of my own and the guy who told the story about the faceless man told this one, albeit very quietly. He said... A couple of years ago, I was camping with my girlfriend, and we were about two miles from the road at this site I know. We went to bed that night, but we couldn't sleep because... Someone interjected a funny comment at this point, and we were dangerously close to going off on another subject, but I got us back on track. Yeah, yeah, real funny, you fucker. Nah, it was because we kept hearing this this grinding noise... My brother used to grind his teeth in his sleep and it kind of reminded me of that. My girlfriend was freaking out but I just kept telling her to ignore it because I've heard it before and you just have to ignore it. It goes away eventually, you guys know what I mean? We all knew what he meant. So eventually I get her to go to sleep but I woke up probably two hours later because something just felt off. I rolled over and She wasn't there, and I kind of freaked out because he thought for a second at this point and then he took a very long drink. Yeah, anyway, I ran out of the tent calling her name, but I didn't have far to go. She was standing at the edge of the camp just looking at something in the trees, and I could see that she was really pale. The fire was low but bright enough to see her, and so I ran up to see what was going on and. She was dead asleep, but her eyes were wide open. She had this real spaced out look, you know. So I put my arm around her to lead her back, but she wouldn't move. She just said really quietly something like, I have to go now, Eddie. I have to go. It's here. I was like, you're just sleepwalking, come back to bed, but she wouldn't budge. She just kept standing there and saying that she had to go, and... I looked where she was looking and there was this fucking staircase right there about 15 yards away, The grey one, a concrete and she started to walk toward it but I yanked her back and that woke her up. She looked at me like I was fucking out of my mind and she asked what the hell she was doing out of the tent. I didn't tell her anything and I just told her that she was sleepwalking. The grinding was gone at this point so she just went back to the tent with me and we fell asleep again and uh, I don't know, I don't like thinking about it, you know, but we all knew. Hey, you guys remember that kid with the, I can't remember what it was, it was uh, some kind of brain fuck up, uh, not Downs, but something like it, someone else brought it up, well I got to read the report that he gave when he found him a week after he went missing and it was a uh, fucked up beyond belief. I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt because who knows what kind of kid actually thinks it's real, but some of this stuff, I don't think he could have made up. Like what? Well, first of all, he talked about the stairs. He said he'd been watching his dad build a fire and the stairs just came up to him, and he had to go up them or something bad would happen. But The cops couldn't really understand what he was talking about after that because The cops couldn't really understand what he was talking about after that because he just kept saying, like the campfire, over and over. And he kept mentioning sounds, but he couldn't say what sounds, just that it was loud and he covered his ears so he couldn't hear them. But the thing that I remember most is that they asked him where exactly he'd gone and he just said that he was right there. And he just kept pointing at himself and... And they said that they thought that he meant that he thought that he just never left. He said that he wasn't scared because the stairs were there and he said that they talked to him but not like people talk. Like I said, it was really uh, convoluted and hard to understand. I have a feeling the cops just didn't take most of it down. But they ended up just saying that the kid had some kind of amnesia or something. And that they didn't think foul play was involved. It doesn't really explain why he came back a week later perfectly fine without a speck of dirt on him and well fed but hey what the cops say goes I guess. But there's still a lot of questions that I want to answer and I'll continue to ask around and find out whatever I can. The next update should be soon and thanks for being so patient guys. G'day mates, So I just wanted to take a quick break before the second half of the story to thank all of you guys for listening to Be Scared. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Hive. And if you're a longtime fan, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you could please take a moment to do me a favor to rate and review the show, that would be a huge help. And if you have any stories that you would like to submit for future episodes, you can send them to my email at bish.buster at gmail.com. That's B-I-S-H dot B-U-S-T-A at gmail.com Thanks again for tuning in and without further ado here's the rest of the story. So uh guys this is uh this is gonna have to be my final update for now but things have uh they've deteriorated here to a degree that's I didn't foresee I didn't know how much writing about the things that are happening out here would affect every single part of my life, and maybe that was stupid of me. Maybe I should have considered it more seriously, but honestly, I just thought I was writing about things that a few people would want to hear. I didn't think it would get this much attention. People are asking me about the stairs now. It doesn't happen every day, but when it does happen, I never really know what to say, and My bosses know that someone is talking about them now too, and I'm sure if they know, the higher ups know too, and I can tell that they aren't happy about it. I've been formally told that I'm not to speak a word about them to anyone anymore, which is part of the reason that this has to be my final update. I just can't risk my job for this, as much as it's been wonderful to get a lot of these things off my mind. I still do love my work, and I need to be out here. If anything, my being aware of what's really going on is enough reason to stick it out. I may not be able to tell people that they're out there, but if I do see them, I can direct traffic away to somewhere safer, I guess. But Because of the amount of attention the stories have gotten, I've heard a lot of stories being swapped back and forth too. I've heard so many now that I can't even remember most of them. And the ones that I do remember, are the ones that I wish I could forget. One story that's made the rounds up here was about a young woman who disappeared upstate. Initially, everyone assumed that she was a runaway. She didn't come from a great home life and so it really wasn't any kind of surprise that she'd choose to just cut up and run. But people started coming forward saying that they'd seen her around the park shortly before she vanished so some of the rangers in the area were sent out to make sure that she hadn't hung herself or something on any of the back trails. It took them a while, but they did find her. Well, not all of her. Just half her tongue and a quarter of the lower jaw. Very clean cuts from what I heard, and they just never found the rest of her. There are so many stories about children too, so many of them going missing and turning up in caves wedged in between impossibly tight spaces so many of them found on mountain peaks or at the bottom of sheer gullies missing shoes missing socks or found with both in perfect condition despite them being miles and miles away from where they vanished there's also so many stories of our black eyed people wandering around in the woods and calling out in the night mimicking the sound of running water or a bobcat screaming One man in particular goes to every news station that he thinks will listen to him and tells them the same story. He was deer hunting and he had camped out in a remote area and woke up because something was scraping against his tent. He thought it was a raccoon or a fox until the thing pressed its face against the door of the tent. At which point, he could very clearly make out a human nose and mouth. He kicked at it, but it leapt back and was gone by the time that he opened the tent flap, gun at his side he fired two warning shots and when the sound had faded he heard a snap behind him and there was a man standing at the edge of the campsite and this man was not wearing any clothing but he also didn't possess any kind of human flesh as this hunter described it the man was made out of some kind of amalgamation of raw meat and hair as if someone had scooped up roadkill and molded it into the vague shape of a man the face was lumpy and Only a rough approximation of a human face. The thing opened its lopsided mouth and from it came the sound of the gun the hunter had fired. It did this twice before mimicking the sound of the ten zipper and then just fled into the night. A young couple out for a hike in the rocky areas of my park reported to me yesterday that they'd seen something strange out on a peak that I'm very familiar with. They were taking turns looking through a pair of binoculars when the man noticed a hiker climbing up a very steep part of the cliff face. He watched the man scale the slope and it didn't occur to him until the incident was over that this person had no climbing gear. When the climber reached the top of the peak which was about five miles away he turned and faced the young man. He said that whoever or whatever this person was was looking right out. The climber waved in an exaggerated manner before just snapping in half at the waist sideways and then leaping off the peak. The young man didn't see where the climber landed too. I sent them on their way with assurances that I'd check it out. I lied. I won't be turning in that report because there are ten others exactly like it. The climber is well known in that area and I just don't question it anymore. There are so many things that I will never be able to understand about my job and it would take me years to relate all the things that I've heard in the last few months. When I feel like my job isn't in jeopardy, I will come back. It may be in a different format, but I promise that I'll come back. Thank you all for sticking by my side and enjoying the things that I've talked to you about. And if you go out in the woods, I encourage you to be safe. Bring water, food, survival equipment, and let people know where you're going and when you'll be back. But don't go on uncharted paths unless you know exactly what you're doing. And above all, don't touch them, don't look at them, and whatever you do, don't go up them. G'day mates, it's Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys. And I'll see you, mates, in the next one.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process.